Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Innovation Friday, the podcast where we discuss new and emerging sciences and the vital roles that hospital and health system pharmacy practitioners play in influencing and adopting applications and innovations in pharmacy. My name is Sophia Chai, Assistant Director of the ASHP Innovation Center. And today we have a very special guest, Kristen Ward, Clinical Assistant Professor of Pharmacy at University of Michigan and Clinical Pharmacist at Michigan Medicine and ASHP staff member Bailey Larson, Strategic Initiatives Associate. And together, we'll be discussing the clinician's perspective on the impact of pharmacogenomics on patient-centered care and some of ASHP's efforts to advance the field. Well, let's get started. Kristen, thanks again for joining us. You have an interesting and unique pharmacy journey, and I think folks would love to hear about that. Can you tell us a little bit about your current role and how you ended up in this career path? Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I think I was fortunate to, I don't want to say stumble into my dream job after pharmacy, but eventually get to my ideal mix of clinical effort and research after I completed my PharmD at the University of Michigan I went on to do a little over a three-year primarily research fellowship with Vicki Allenrod at the same institution. As part of this fellowship, I was able to have a about a half a day in clinic weekly throughout the three years where I was mostly focused on research. And this led to a really exciting opportunity to apply for and ultimately successfully attain a clinical pharmacogenomics implementation focused clinical assistant professor role at the university. And now I'm spending about 40% of my effort in clinic and the rest of the time doing research. And part of my role in the clinic is to assist with pharmacogenomics implementation, primarily in ambulatory psychiatry. Truly fascinating, Kristen. I I wanted to ask, just drilling a little bit down into that, what is it about working in ambulatory care that really excites you, and even in pharmacogenomics? Yeah, I I think like everyone, a lot of it's about the patients that you get to work with and the people, the providers. We have just fantastic teams of psychiatrists, residents, social workers. We've got a really great like interdisciplinary care group with NPs, and now they're growing um, more PA roles as well. But yeah, the patients, the coworkers, and I think psychiatry especially is an interesting place to be when you think about pharmacogenomics implementation, because we have fantastic resources from like the CPIC guidelines, so the Clinical Pharmacogenetics Implementation Consortium, at the same time balanced with many commercial pharmacogenetic products and By that, I mean the panel tests that are offered by many commercial labs that are really targeted towards improving outcomes for patients who are looking for like some sort of psychotropic therapy. That's led to a lot of skepticism on the part of our providers. So we have this really interesting opportunity to provide education and also kind of like support the clinicians and the patients who are interested in testing. Yeah, that's that's great. 
kind of actually just getting getting a little bit deeper into that. Can you talk to us about how pharmacogenomics and precision medicine really show up in your day-to-day and maybe describe a little bit about what you do with that information and how you talk to either patients or other providers about them? Yeah. So at our institution, we don't order pharmacogenetic testing for every patient. It's more reactive than preemptive. We typically get testing for patients who have failed multiple medication trials, and there's some lack of clarity about why, either unexpected side effects or lack of response to higher than standard or standard doses. When we go to place these orders, one of the things I like to do with each patient is kind of a pre-test counseling session where we speak with the patient. It's usually a quick like 10 to 15 minute call on the phone and we talk about expectations of testing, cost, and the process. I noticed when I started in this role, like about three-ish years ago, there were a lot of patients or more accurately providers describing patients to me who would get these tests that could cost like over $300 out of pocket. And then they wouldn't find any information that the patient deemed useful. So there'd be frustration. Um, so by with this pretest counseling, we try to describe what the test can and can't do. It's not a magic bullet that's going to tell you which drug is guaranteed to work for you. We usually say or form a discussion around the fact that most of the variants that are tested help to guide medication dosing and explain, you know, you may or may not have a medication change, but it can help you now and then potentially further down the road with either medications used for mental health or other indications. When we talk to <laughs> prescribers about these tests, I'm laughing a little bit because I, I think when I first started too, there was this general skepticism based on some of the published clinical trials that had shown either not overwhelming or no support of the primary outcome being significant. So I'm thinking to some of the large like pharmacogenetic trials that were published and now it's like one or two years ago. And I think they were just expecting me to kind of like push for these tests without giving it kind of a deeper thought and maybe a little bit more reserve. And right now I'm trying to find a careful balance of saying like, yes, I think there's a lot of promise in pharmacogenetics, but with the current cost of testing, we need to be careful with how we use these and especially with what patients expect these tests to be able to do. That's a really good point. This is a good segue maybe to talk a little bit about, you know, with any innovative or emerging area of practice, it is not without barriers. But from your perspective, what are the biggest hurdles in terms of providing pharmacogenomic services and even implementation into practice? Yeah, and I'd give a couple different answers to that kind of based on who is facing the barriers. So for patients, it's cost. These are not typically covered by any commercial insurance we've come across yet. We we do see some coverage for some of the products through like Medicare and Medicaid, um, but not through the commercial plans. So I think for the patients, a lot of the barriers cost. From more of a health systems angle, we need to improve our ability to store these results in a discrete format so that we can 
use the results to inform like clinical decision support. Right now, and we are actively moving towards improving this, but right now our pharmacogenetic results are stored in a PDF, which is not ideal for so many reasons. We do consultation notes as well when results are returned, where we try to take what the lab gives and also think about, you know, this report provides interpretations for psychotropic medications, but it may also impact X, Y, and Z that the prescriber is not alerted to because they're not provided as part of the report itself. We also try to look at things like organ function and things like past medication trials and drug-drug interactions. So really, you know, the things that any pharmacist would think about and just adding another layer on top of it. So that gets harder and harder to do the further you get from the report. So if we don't have a great way to store these results discreetly, even, you know, a year down the road, if you're dealing with a different group of prescribers, they're going to have no way of knowing that these pharmacogenetic results are available. Yeah, that is that is definitely something we've heard before. And it's just interesting to hear your direct experience with it. But hence this conversation and hopefully more work ahead in terms of getting us to a better place with pharmacogenomics and so that it can really be optimized for patient care. I want to transition to some broader efforts and initiatives. Bailey, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about Get the Medications Right Institute, that's GTMRX, and the work you're doing with our pharmacogenomics uh, task force. Sure. Thanks so much, Sophia. One of my favorite parts of my job is supporting pharmacists and their role in clinic and research while working to implement advanced pharmacogenomics. So I really have loved hearing about your experiences in the clinic, Kristen, and thank you for your boots on the ground work you're doing in this field. We really enjoy learning from you. So ASHP is a founding funder and member of the board of directors of GTMRX, which is Get the Medications Right Institute. This organization brings together critical stakeholders, including physicians, pharmacists, caregivers, health information technology innovators, drug and diagnostic companies, consumer groups, employers, payers, and health systems to advance the adoption of a systematic approach to medication use to reduce costs through comprehensive medication management, or CMM. So you've probably heard us talk about this before. ASHP has their hand in a lot of the work groups and task force, which is great. We co-lead the Pharmacogenomics Payment and Policy Task Force within GTMRX. So this group works to promote compensation for pharmacogenomics informed CMM. So this task force has been around for a year. Some of the deliverables that have come out are a published case study for Medicaid, Medicare, managed care, and we're finalizing one for commercial payers now. Recently, the task force created uh, pharmacogenomics payment and policy recommendations, which were approved by the GTMRX Board of Directors. So the next steps will be advocating for these recommendations to various stakeholder groups and um, planning to also go to Capitol Hill. GTMRX is also advocating for more consistent payment coverage for pharmacogenomic services, including testing and uh, follow-up, which we know is just as important with uh, CMM. Thank you, Bailey. Really good work there. And Proud to know that ASHP and pharmacists are being represented at the table on this issue. Can you also tell us about some of the resources that are available through ASHP and what our members should be on the lookout for? Yes, we have a lot going on here at ASHP. 
as some of you may know, ASHP annually reviews and endorses the CPIC guidelines, as Kristen mentioned, and we have been really lucky to continue to work closely with that team. As far as other resources, in June, ASHP launched a self-guided online certificate um, on pharmacogenomics. This will provide 20 hours of ACPE continuing education for pharmacists, incorporating recorded presentations, skill-focused activities, and supportive readings. So this ASHP certificates come in modules. So these are eight modules designed for participants to increase their knowledge and skills necessary to use pharmacogenomics to improve medication use in a variety of skill settings. A few highlights from this updated program. It's a refreshed program technically, so and now has 20 hours of CE content, which was updated from 18.25 CE hours before. It now has a comprehensive multiple choice final exam, which is an update from our previous essay style exam. And the contents delivered by well-known experts in pharmacogenomics who share their insights into the developments and personalized medication regimens for optimal patient care. So the curriculum addresses rationale and processes for applying pharmacogenomics in practice and covers key considerations and challenges when implementing pharmacogenomics in a health system. You'll even see familiar names on the certificate from the ASHP AMA Virtual Summit. This transitions to our next resource. If you haven't checked it out yet, earlier this year, ASHP, along with AMA, launched our Pharmacogenomics Virtual Summit, which Kristen, your colleague, Jasmine Luzum, was a part of. So this is a open access six-part series divided into multiple information-packed two-hour summits featuring leaders in the field. So these are available on the eLearning ASHP website, and it, we had just a really great success with these. There was an average of 650 people in attendance at each one, and now the enrollments are um, I just recently checked and there was about 450 enrollments averaging each summit. So these will continue to be utilized. We were just really proud of the leaders that spoke and supported this and we're really happy with it. And last but not least, the Pharmacogenomics Resource Center, which is maintained by the Section Advisory Group on Emerging Sciences, found at ashp.org. This site features articles and guidelines and education and training resources. Before we wrap up, I want to ask if you have any last thoughts regarding pharmacogenomics and what's in store for the future. Kristen, would you like to start? Sure, thank you. I I think a lot of, well, everything that ASHP is doing is critically important for the future of pharmacogenomics and really enabling pharmacists to be the go-to resource for pharmacogenomics questions, concerns, and your care teams. So I think that that education and improving our ability to be well-versed in pharmacogenomics evidence and how to apply is so important as testing costs lower and implementation is more and more frequent at different institutions across the U.S. I think I'd just like to really focus on the education aspect of what's in store for the future of their members so we can really be leaders in pharmacogenomics and pharmacogenomics implementation. I know if you look to the literature, you're going to quickly access a mountain of surveys showing that like all our healthcare providers 
need better training in pharmacogenomics to be more comfortable implementing. And I know that pharmacy schools are now required to have pharmacogenomics education in the curriculum, but this isn't a long-standing requirement. So you have a large portion of pharmacists who aren't familiar using this information. And I think just more and more great education programs and things like the summit will be so important for increasing everybody's awareness of what pharmacogenomics is, what it can and can't do, helping everyone be more comfortable when they encounter these results in the field is going to be critical. Yeah, thanks, Kristen. And, and I have to agree with you. One of the, the messages that came from just a, um, a retreat of our leaders was that pharmacogenomics is kind of today what pharmacokinetics was maybe back in the day for, for pharmacists of earlier generations. So it's, it's really exciting. Bailey, how about you? You want to end on a few notes? Sure. I'm so happy to hear that, Kristen, and we totally agree. I, I hope that education and training continue to increase. And also, I, I hope that in the future that it's not even a question that pharmacists can be just the go-to to, you know, assess some of these results and get compensation for it. So it's a viable service that we can maintain. I, it's definitely a growing focus in all departments at ASHP. And I know we're working to expand residency and fellowship training programs as well. One thing I wanted to mention that ASHP is currently undergoing an update of our strategic plan, and one of our enhanced effort areas is pharmacogenomics. So we are looking forward to further efforts and initiatives to support this important area of patient-centered care. Thanks, Bailey. Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Kristen and Bailey for joining us today to discuss the impact of pharmacogenomics on patient care and ASHP's efforts to advance the field. Before we leave, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's Innovation Center at ashp.org innovation. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Be sure to join us on the fourth Friday of every month for more on innovation in pharmacy. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.